0: Welcome to the Minister's Friend podcast with pastor and author, Dr. John Kimball. The Minister's Friend is a podcast helping pastors and other church workers navigate the challenges of leading the flock. John has been a church planter, a local church pastor, a seminary professor, and a denominational leader. He coaches and mentors pastors and missionaries around the world. Drawing on over 30 years of experience in local, regional, and national ministry, John and some of his colleagues provide practical guidance on the topics you request. We are so glad you've joined us. And now, here's our host, Pastor John.
1: Thank you, Anna, and welcome everyone to the Minister's Friend podcast. I'm so glad you've joined us today. In this week's episode, we continue my interview with my friend, Father John Davis, of the Mission Abbey and Fresh Expressions U.S. I'm really excited about today's topic. We're back in our favorite local coffee shop where I ask John why simply changing to a more contemporary expression of worship typically doesn't go well. John gives a very thoughtful explanation. I'll share some information about the book's John references, as well as some follow-up thoughts in a few minutes. But right now, let's join the second segment of my interview with John Davis. You've kind of addressed this already, but one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, um, you know we've got a variety of churches that listen to this podcast, all different backgrounds, all different denominations. Um, why is it incorrect to think that if we just change to contemporary worship, people will come? You know, and you've, you've kind of started to address that. So yeah. let's, let's go down that rabbit sure. trail for a minute. I,
2: I think the thing is, it's not about contemporary or traditional. Yeah. It is about, and I'll, this is where I alluded to this uh, earlier, is that um, there's a whole chapter in my dissertation on uh, this uh, paradigm, an acronym mm-hmm. called EPIC. I got this from Lynn Sweet. Uh, he first wrote about it in his book Soul Tsunami and then later wrote about it, kind of updated it in a, a second book called Soul Salsa. And um, But basically, uh, he uses an acronym EPIC. And EPIC, in a sense, is this idea, gives us a sort of a, a way to look at worship and then, then after I share it I'll apply it to kind of the different uh, styles okay. that are out there um, so EPIC is an acronym, the E is experience or experiential people are looking for an experience these days people are looking for a um, way to, to you know have an experience of something you know we can sort of think about that shifting in the way people are taking vacations you know it's not it used to be you just went to the beach or you went to the mountains and you sat and mm-hmm. you, know, you did some things like that but now they're looking for an experience mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. and so they, so there's a real hunger for something that is experiential and as the church and i'll speak to this this is most traditions is that we offer an experience of Christ, Mm -hmm. right? That's the hope. Now, in my sort of liturgical world, but there are others that do this as well, it's through the ministry of the Word, the preaching of the Word, and the ministry of the sacrament or communion. Mm -hmm. And that becomes sort of the pattern of the way in which people are going to experience Christ when they come to a sort of Maybe traditional or liturgical church. It's going to be those two elements are going to be sort of the high points, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of things. There's prayers and there's music and there's, you know, uh, fellowship and things like that that happen in that context as well. But the whole idea is that we want people to have an experience of Christ. So that's the E. Um, The second, the P is participatory, is that people want to participate. I grew up in a time when uh, the church that I grew up in, where the minister ministered and the congregation congregated, you know, <laughs> yes, that's just the yes, way it was. That's the way it was. You that's know, exactly. kind of thing. And so, but but we've moved <laughs> beyond that, mm-hmm. where people really want to participate. They want an engagement. They want to interact. They want to, um, you know, have an exchange that's taking place in, in the context of, of, uh, of a worship service. And so it's participatory. And you know, the nice thing about liturgy is it has some of that built into it automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we'll say, the Lord be with you and the responses and also with you. Yeah. So there's, there's a kind of call and response. So you could say that's participatory. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I've been in a lot of places where, you know, liturgy is dead. You know, it's rote and such. So what we're actually looking for, and I think what people are looking for, is an engagement with their heart and their mind, with the text, with the with the music, with, um, you know, the, the sort of uh, full sensory uh, engagement. You know, body, soul, mind, and spirit, it's what I hear, it's what I see. And when we get to communion, it's what I taste, it's what I smell, it's mm-hmm. what I touch. You know, that full sensory kind of thing. So there's a participation that is comprehensive of who a person yeah. is. Yeah. And then the eye is, um, it's interesting, this is not he updated it in the second book. The, originally it was interactive, but that was a lot like participatory. Mm-hmm. And so in the second when he, uh, iteration of this, Lynn um, added the idea of image rich. Mm-hmm. And that really, we have, that's something that we need to think about um the church for uh, probably several hundred years lost a visual theology
0: Hmm. and what i
2: mean by that is you know we were very text driven we were um and and in a sense driven by the idea of we encounter god through reading and such and and even in some places you know there was the idea of having bare worship spaces Hmm. you know and and uh, somewhat puritan-like in terms of that and um but what we've seen happen especially in the last 25 years, I think you could you could sort of take the progression from movies to television to internet uh, and such. We b- become visual again uh-huh. yes. and we become visual learners again. And um, it's not that the church wasn't that in other times, you know, in the middle ages, all the stained glass where yes. we, we had people that were not reading, who did not know how to read, mm-hmm. um, the stained glass became the catechism of the church. And yes. so the images, yes. that's how they taught the stories. And what we have to realize is we have become visual learners again. Mm-hmm. And how does, how does the palette of our worship, what we see in the context of worship, you know, how does that inform us Inform us in terms of the faith? And so um, this idea of image-rich, I think, is something that people are looking for. And we can just sort of think about the iconic world in which we live. You know, I pull mm-hmm. out my iPhone, and it's just nothing but a, a screen of icons. Mm-hmm. And I tap one. I don't have to yeah. read what those things are. Yeah. It's visual in yeah. that regard. So that's some of the kind of pictures of how we've, we've shifted there. And finally, the C in epic is communal. You know, we don't do this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We do this in the context of the body of Christ. And, and, you know, we're gathering together as God's people under the banner of Christ. I've I really spent a lot of time over the last year or so rethinking the idea of what is the church. And the church ultimately is not a building, it's not a place. It is, uh, if we go to the, to the Greek word, it's ecclesia, which means a gathering or assembly of people. And I sort of right now I'm using this way to describe it as an assembly or gathering of people under the banner of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we gather together um, to love God, to love one another, to be in community and relationship with each other. And this is what Jesus called us to. So this whole idea of epic, I think, is a good way to measure what we're doing in terms of of worship. And then finally, this is the we continue to talk about this. But the idea is that um, you can be high church. Anglo-Catholic in our world, you can swing incense, mm-hmm. wear robes, have choirs and processions, and you know chant and mm-hmm. you know those kinds of things. You can be you know low church and have a rock and roll band, mm-hmm. and you know with lights and smoke and mm-hmm. all those things like that. The issue is, are you being epic? Yeah. It's not whether you're being you know well, one tradition is better than the other. You know we all, all have our preferences. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the issue is in the in the context of what we're offering. Uh, in the service is it an epic experience I, you, know, this is, you can tell this is a long suit for me yeah. as far as uh, yeah. where I've spent a lot of time on it. and I would say it this way when I, I planted a church here in Oviedo and my desire was that when you, if you took the 30,000-foot view of, it was called Incarnation, when you took the 30,000-foot view of Incarnation, of everything that it was from beginning to end, I wanted it to be epic, mm-hmm. experiential, mm-hmm. participatory, image-rich, communal. If you take from the prelude to the postlude in the context of, the, of a Sunday morning service, once again, I wanted it to be epic. Mm-hmm. And then to take it down to maybe a more micro rather than the macro, down to the micro, I wanted the sermon itself yes. from beginning to end, that in our tradition is around 20 minutes that's i wanted that sermon to be experiential participatory image-rich communal and so that's the kind of idea it's been a guiding principle probably for the last 20 years of mm-hmm. my ministry is when i whenever i do an event whenever i do a gathering whenever I, you know it's, it could be a fellowship dinner it could be a, a vacation bible school i'm always asking the question how was it epic mm-hmm. how was it and i think that that's a good way for us to uh, Critique mm-hmm. uh, and constructively look at what we do. At what we do in terms of worship is how are we engaging people mm-hmm. in a way that's going to impact their lives uh, for the long haul.
1: That's that is so helpful. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I love that. L- let me let me just mine a little bit more on the eye, on yeah. the image rich because um, you know a lot of our churches, particularly those that are trying to be more contemporary, they're they're very big on. On what does the sanctuary look like and having the right lights and all those things but th- that's not necessarily what you're talking about the, no. the, the image really needs to be you know, what we're showing Jesus is what I'm hearing you say I, yeah
2: I think so I mean I think once again whatever we do and this kind of ties into another principle I think around worship whatever we do we should do it with excellence mm-hmm. so yes. I think that, that yes. you know, whether it's the music side of it or the planning of it of the service of what we're going to do from beginning to end I think you know, it should be done with excellence mm-hmm. I mean I'm, I'm convinced of that but I think there are other considerations to sort of think about in terms of the space. Okay. So uh, I wrote, my, uh, I started writing on visual theology, was a lot of my research, mm-hmm. so I spent the first two years of my research and my doctoral work on the idea of sacred space mm-hmm. and speci- specifically church architecture. Okay. And so what do you see in the context of worship? That was the sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think the thing is that the whole of the space is communicating something to us you know um, here we are in a coffee shop and they've got the wood wall they've got mm-hmm. the you know kind of the coffee uh, uh, lined up the you know the different beans that they right. offer and all right. this kinds of things. so yeah. it's, it's an ambiance. they they've created a coffee culture right here. yeah well in the same way I think we want to create a Jesus culture you know, mm-hmm. in terms of our worship and how are we by the images that we use um, and some of that might be what's even on the screen. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of where I spent a good bit of my time. What really prompted me to do, go down this thing of study is that in the early two thousands, as people were just sort of kind of incorporating media and technology mm-hmm. into worship, mm-hmm. it was being done so poorly. <laughs> yes. I'm just being honest, and I, I just, it still I, is. I, I know. <laughs> Well, I cringed
1: in those moments.
2: I, just because I think the thing is that they, I looked at it and I went, "Oh gosh, this is this is not good," you yeah. know. And yeah, and um, so the idea of how do we um, really take the, these wonderful, historic, um, and powerful images of the gospel itself, mm. of the ministry of Jesus in the world, how do we take those and use those? Uh, in a way to communicate the values that we have as Christians. Um, And how do we uh, talk about, you know, uh, and that's one of the things, you know, coming out of a liturgical tradition, we work through the church year. Right. And so one thing I would recommend, regardless of your tradition, is that working through the church year has a a really wealth of of experience in and of itself. It it will help you become epic Mm. because it forces you to deal with, topics that you might not deal with otherwise yeah. that, you know, I just go to my good stuff. I mean, I could talk about worship all day long, yeah. Yeah. but I need to be able to talk about redemption or the cross or, um, the mission of the church, the great commission, or, or talk about theological ideas about the Trinity, mm-hmm. you know, father, son, and Holy spirit. Talk about, you know, God's saving history, as we've kind of mentioned mm-hmm. already throughout from genesis to revelation mm-hmm. as i as i teach the, the the scriptures and things and so the thing is that all of that is that that we've neg- neglected in some ways the visual aspect of that um i think there's a place for you know we can sort of think about the visual palette that there's color mm-hmm. you know and so once again tying into the church here church seasons yeah. have specific colors yeah, they do but there's a color there's texture you know, there's um, image, there's, and there's all kinds of image, whether we're talking, you know, shadow-like things or whether we're talking actual photographs, um, uh, whether we are, you know. And, and once again, the church has always done this on one level or another. We had the whole uh, iconoclast, iconodule controversy back in the 800s, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing between the Eastern church and the Western church. But the idea was visual theology, that, the, that, that there was a visual theology that informed people about faith and i think that that so when we think about the images that are there and that that has to do with not just i mean i think there's a place for photographs for portrait for art um the visual art stained glass as we already mentioned Mm -hmm. but but also things like you know the wood that we have Mm -hmm. you know i mean those things speak of different things you know coming out of the liturgical tradition. You know, having things that are set apart for worship, like a chalice Mm -hmm. to be used for communion Mm -hmm. or a baptismal font, Mm -hmm. you know, that those are those are images for us um, that really should engage us with the gospel story. Whatever we do,
1: including the images and even the way we decorate the worship space, should engage people with the gospel story. What a powerful and critical insight. We certainly want to do everything with excellence, but we need to be cognizant of what our worship space, and our worship itself, communicates. Does it communicate redemption? Does it communicate authentic faith? Does it communicate surrender to Christ as King? Does the room convey a sacred space for the presence of God? And how about the EPIC acronym, WOW? You can learn more about developing epic worship from Leonard Sweet in his books Soul Tsunami and Soul Salsa, the links to which are both in today's show notes. In next week's podcast, we'll continue my interview with Father John Davis. We'll be discussing how setting up our worship space communicates what is important, setting the stage for worshipers to enter into God's presence. Is the minister's friend a blessing to you? Would you please subscribe on whatever platform you listen and leave us a review? We really want to hear your thoughts. And please also be sure to tell your friends and the pastors that you know about us. Your recommendation to them is the only way that we can grow our audience. I hope today's episode was helpful. Please be sure to check out the show notes for additional information and our suggested resources. And as always, thank you so much for joining us right here on the Minister's Friend Podcast. Let's do this again real soon.
0: You've been listening to the Minister's Friend Podcast with pastor and author John Kimball. Be sure to check out today's show notes for additional tools, resources, and information. If today's episode has been helpful to you, let us know. You can shoot us an email at podcast at johnrkimball.com. That's podcast at johnrkimball.com. You can also leave a note on our Facebook page, These are also the best ways to suggest topics for future shows. We want to hear from you. And please tell your friends about us. Until next time, may God bless you and your ministry with great fruit for His kingdom. Bye!